Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Greetings, everyone. Uh, happy Monday night, September 18th, uh, here on the Wolverine Live. I have Anthony Broom here with Chris Ballas and Clayton Safey, as we are every Monday night here live on our YouTube channel, or uh, if you're watching after the fact on the website, listening after the fact, we appreciate you there as well. A lot of ground to cover today. Jim Har- Harbaugh is back. Not that he was ever gone, but of course, this will be the first week. He is able to coach on a game day Saturday. Uh, he spoke to the media on Monday. We will discuss that and talk about his Monday press conference. We also heard from Blake Corum and Josh Wallace today. I want to go through these three non-conference games with uh, and kind of go narrative by narrative with some of the takeaways and just kind of put a bow on the non-conference. Big Ten season is here with Rutgers in town on Saturday. And then, of course, as we do every Monday night, we will take questions from our dear, dear friends, both on the message board and those of you watching live. So welcome again, uh, Chris Bells, Clayton Safey. Good to be back with you. Not to be, not too bad. It's nice to, uh, nice to be seen. And um, yeah, magazine week, man, trying to put everything to bed here for the magazine and then get these articles up and then do this and try to find time to eat is t- kind of tough, but I love being here on Monday nights. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Great to uh, have Big Ten season here. Excited and a little normalcy for the Michigan football team with their head coach back out there. So I think they're they're fired up for that for sure. Kind of feels like the start of the season, doesn't it, fellow? These games count twice. Really does. They count, they count for two. Basically. Clayton, uh, you know, if you're watching live or you're watching the video version, looks like Clayton is broadcasting live atop Michigan Stadium. And the stadium's full for a Monday night. What's What's going on over there? They're going to need a wrecking ball to get me out of here. I haven't left since uh, Saturday night, so we've still got the late show going on here and everything else. So, 
I know we just we just sent him a DoorDash. So be sure to uh, questions later on in the show. The super chats will go towards uh, extracting Clayton from the legal fees that it will take to extract Clayton out of uh, the Ann Arbor prison for that. But before we get into the show, of course, want to talk about uh, do a little bit of housekeeping and talk about our friends over at Caldera and gentlemen. First impressions matter, and if you're not taking care of your skin, people are going to notice, especially as you get older. The two of you, this is for the two of you specifically, but fellas in general, lucky for you guys, it's not hard. You don't just have to, you just don't have the right tools yet. That's where Caldera Lab comes in. Their products reduce the visibility of wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. Show your skin who's boss and make a great first impression with Caldera Lab. Hear this. Uh, Caldera Lab's clinical trials have found that 94% of men's skin showed an overall younger-looking appearance after using their products for only a few weeks. So you're going to see the results pay off quickly. Uh, the Caldera Lab product line starts with the Regimen, which is a twice-a-day routine to transform your skin. Includes It includes three products, the Clean Slate, which starts and ends your day. It's a face wash. The Base Layer is your daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin and jumpstart your day full of confidence. And the Good is your multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother, as well as helps the vis- visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. So every drop of their serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units. No other brand does this. Better yet, Caldera Lab is the only brand that cares enough to let everyone know about it and give you a chance at it as well. So just for our audience, we have an exclusive offer. This is their best offer available anywhere right now. Use promo code MISH23, that's M-I-C-H, 23 over at calderalab.com for 20% off right now, or head over to calderalab.com and just check it out for yourself. So uh, 20% off with promo code MICH23. And hey, this is what everyone wants to hear. Use the use their routine, use the regimen. People start saying you look younger, look a little bit, little bit stressed. Guys like us still kind of catching up from the night game. I still have bags under my eyes, so I will be using the regimen. Uh, frequently as i catch up from that but uh promo code m uh, mish 23 that's m-i-c-h 23 over at calderalab.com fellas we heard from jim harbaugh today and we have heard from him the three weeks prior to this but this was a little bit different didn't walk out to the podium with a binder full of grievances to air he didn't come out to the podium and tell us about the sandwiches that he enjoyed over the weekend this is business now uh his school imposed three game suspension is over uh it seemed like Either he or his intern or someone in the building made a coffee run for him today because he was he was ready to go. Uh, I think I saw the vein pop out of his forehead at some point. Just talking about how excited he was to get back and coach this team. But um, I don't know if there's a ton to take away from it. Uh, but Jim Harbaugh's back, and I talked about this in the post game show over the weekend. Chris, I think you and Skeen may have addressed it last night as well. There's a there was a gear missing from non conference that I think. By virtue of just having Jim Harbaugh back, this program's going to pick up some steam. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about it. And he's, I mean, he's the reason that this program is what it is. We can talk about how good his assistant coaches are, and we can talk about what a great job they did when he was gone. But the one constant wherever Jim Harbaugh has been is Jim Harbaugh. If you go back to San Diego, if you go to Stanford, if you go to San Francisco, if you go to Michigan, uh, he's the guy. He's one of the best coaches in the country at any level. And even I think his biggest detractors would, would admit that the people who hate him the most. So uh, it'll be great to have him there. He sees things on the sidelines. I think that years of experience, you're going to pick up on things, right? And I think he's going to be able to do that and, and help these guys out. And uh, no disrespect, obviously, to the guys who filled in for him, but they're not Jim Harbaugh. So 
excited to have him back. He said there were some things that he saw on film that he thought would watching on TV would make him a better coach. And uh, I trust that that's probably true. So let's see the offense improve. And the, the one thing that, you know, I keep hearing is that, man, if they play like that against Bowling Green, I'm so sick of hearing that. They're not going to play like that, like they played against Bowling Green. Anybody think J.J. McCarthy's going to come out and play like he did, you know, when he's got – how many other games where he's played where he hasn't played anywhere close to that? I think we know by now what the exception is and what the rule is. And the rule is, is that J.J. McCarthy's a pretty damn good quarterback. Saturday night was the exception. Yeah, he's played in 27 other games other than Saturday night. He only threw two interceptions the entire regular season a year ago. We've watched a lot of J.J. McCarthy. He's he's played in more games than any other quarterback in the Jim Harbaugh era. We know what J.J. McCarthy is at this point, and he's only getting better. We've seen some big improvements of him. So I, I agree with you. I mean, people always say that, well, you know, if Michigan would have played like they did against Illinois, against Ohio State last year, they wouldn't have won that game. But they look like a completely different team, really different offense in that game, uh, even with some moving pieces and, and injuries and everything like that. So if Michigan played like they did against UNLV, against Bowling Green, we wouldn't even be talking about this. Um, you know, so that's kind of case in point right there. So uh, I agree. And, and Jim Harbaugh, I think he might just be the best coach in the country, uh, you know, in, in like to have that. He might even be underrated um, within, you know, like, hey, it's Bowling Green, UNLV, East Carolina. We'll be able to take care of business. We're going to have four guys be the head coach. And that was his decision, obviously. But, you know, just the fact that there were some clunkiness at times. I mean, Mike Hart put in the wrong quarterback one time. Uh, it's not that easy to be the head coach. And, and Jim Harbaugh is a great one. So I think it's going to make an impact. And, and if nothing else, these players are going to be excited to get back out there with him. Blake Corum talked about that today. So, um I, th I think we'll see a much better effort against Rutgers because, like you said, CB, I mean, that was basically the aberration was the was the Bowling Green game. We will most certainly be talking about the J.J. McCarthy interceptions, maybe in our next segment. That's a, that's a little tease for you. But something I thought was interesting, what Harbaugh said, and, and I don't know how much I believe this or not, but he thinks that, uh, you know, just from his, uh, his view, obviously watching on TV, watching from a computer as he did while he was traveling over the weekend, I, I think something – that he saw is that the players this group may have just been striving for a little too much perfection instead of just playing the game uh you know this week i thought a lot of the errors they made especially those jj mccarthy interceptions were just just forcing it just just trying to make a play that wasn't there um i'll stop short of saying they were coasting through games but uh, it, it just feels like you know when you hear all week that you're a 36 point favorite 37 and a half point favorite 40 and a half point favorite uh, you know, you want, and you want to also win for Jim Harbaugh and be impressive for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I think that it all comes down to the fact is that uh, Jim Harbaugh's done a terrific job of building this coaching staff out to where he felt confident, where whoever he gave the headset to on Saturday was going to get the job done. But uh, it's clear that just you know, as we look for you know these these strides back to normalcy, guys coming back from injury, position battles being sorted out. Um, just coming. Uh, if you're JJ McCarthy, vomiting up these interceptions, uh, those are all outliers to me. And uh, we'll talk about that a little bit in the next segment. But uh, what do you make of Jim Harbaugh saying that maybe the reason that some of this wasn't maybe as ironed out as as people wanted it to be was I think those guys are maybe maybe a little too amped up, or you know, on the other side of it, maybe a little too carefree. I think they were bored, frankly, uh, honestly. And some guys were being protective. I think I think Blake Horam was running. 
to not get hurt in a couple of the first games. And that's not a slam on him. It is completely to be expected when you have major knee surgery. So uh, I think guys were trying a little bit too hard uh, in in other areas. And some other guys were just like, all right, let's get this crap over with, you know, maybe some guys on the offensive line and let's get to the games that really matter. And that's where we are now. And I wrote this in a column today. It might be a blessing in disguise. And I'm not one to put lipstick on a pig, as you guys know, I'm going to call it like I see it. But last year, right. They just hammered everybody. They played in the non-conference season. Then they get to Maryland, which is the first time that you finally have, decent competition or at least competition that should be on the field with you. And it took them a little bit while to get a little while to get used to that. I think Rutgers is going to have their full attention now because of this last game. And it's like Jim Harbaugh said, because everybody's saying, Hey, you know, you're not, not living up to expectations. You're not beating these teams by 40 points. And Jamie, Jamie, Jamie McCarthy's going to come back. He's going to be pissed off. I don't think there's any question about it and feel like he's got something to prove, even though he really doesn't have anything to prove to anybody. I think that's the way he's going to feel. So to me, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they came out and played their best game of the year. We saw the running game get going. We saw J.J. McCarthy have a great game. Hopefully they get some of these defensive backs back. We keep hearing about it, guys, from not just from the, the coaches, okay? We're talking about families. We're talking about, you know, some in some cases, the kids themselves and what they're saying. You know, we're coming back next week, so on and so forth. So they need to get Will Johnson back. They need to get Rod Moore back as well. That's going to help make an elite defense even more elite. Because you know what? Those are two Rod Moore and Will Johnson are two of the best players in college football at their positions. So hopefully we see everything come together on Saturday. I think the spread is what, 24 now or something like that? Uh, Clay, I still think that's high. But would it stun me if Michigan came out and covered that? No. Oh, not at all. Um, and it opened at 31. So, I mean, people probably betting it down, but we'll, we'll see on that. I mean, I, I think, Anthony, to answer your question, I think it's just kind of more human nature than, than anything. I mean, you play these games and – you know, there are a lot of guys that have played a lot of football here. They've been on, you know, big stages and maybe uh, like you said, CB, they, they lost a little bit of interest. They, they lost a little bit of focus. I mean, I think we definitely saw that. Not that JJ, that, that was the direct result, but uh, it was lack of focus a little bit on, on some of his plays, you know, and it wasn't just the interceptions either. Um, so you got to be better. I mean, Donovan Edwards, I didn't think played that well in, in pass protection, had a little bit better uh, success running the football, but you know, Blake was very good. There were some positives still from this game, but it's just kind of human nature. That's why teams rise to the occasion in, in bigger games. And that's why, you know, you see some clunkers around the country as well, like we saw on Saturday with with not just Michigan, but uh, plenty of other teams as well. So I think it's just just kind of the way guys are wired, especially when you're 18 to 22 years old. Yeah, and the only thing I would really, I don't want to say be concerned about, it's a, a habit you don't want to develop is, you know, the, the ability to turn it on or, turn it off depending on what your engagement or give a crap level is that day and i i don't think that's an issue with this team i think that big 10 play um will unlock that from them uh the, their full potential we know they're much better than what we've seen uh for a lot of the first three weeks of the season uh I, to be honest and i said this saturday night i felt like the game that they played saturday might have come a week early i thought maybe it might be that Rutgers game because that team is physical because that team has played them tough and and those two things are, are still very much true and it could still be a competitive game on saturday but uh you know i do think that this that was kind of a wake-up call and jim harbaugh is kind of coming back at the perfect time uh, i want to talk jj mccarthy uh but our butt shane johnson with a 999 super chat uh, kind of brings us into that discussion here. Uh, it was deflating coming back to the big house and ha- seeing JJ have that game. But this is why I love Jim Harbaugh and welcome him back. 
J, uh, Jim Harbaugh said on Monday, JJ is smart enough to know that he didn't play well, but he's smart enough to know he can learn from it. And I guess my response to that uh, before you guys give way to it is, I don't know that a win is ever deflating. I don't know that a 25-point win is ever deflating. Now, you want to see your team be perfect. You want to see them come out in the non-conference and play with their hair on fire like they did those first three games of last season. But uh, Shane, we love you. I think deflating is probably overstating it a bit. I think it's deflating for him because he wanted to come to the game and see JJ play extremely well, right? I think that's what he's probably talking about. So, um, and I yeah. understand that because if you're coming to see your best player, for example, if you go to see Barry Sanders play, play for the Lions so many years ago, and he you know rushes for ten yards on nine carries, you know what? It's it's kind of a bummer. So I understand it from that standpoint. Uh, at the same time, maybe this is a wake up call for him too. You know, everybody was kind of excusing the first interception. And, you know, it's still on the quarterback to make sure that that area is clear before you throw the ball. So that's still a J.J. McCarthy mistake, too. And I know that people, you know, that, uh, you know, there are, there are some guys out there wearing J.J.'s jersey that uh, that think he can do no wrong. And that's just simply not the case. So he needs to be better and he knows it. Um, and that's the best part about it. You could tell, guys, couldn't you, how pissed off he was after that game at himself at nobody else. Yeah. And he said, man, that one that I threw on the sideline, I've made that mistake so many times in practice. It'll be the last time it happens. And I'm like, damn, it's better now, better now than this week or against a team that has a chance to beat you is the way I felt about it. So, Shane, yeah, I don't think you're going to see that again. We know that he's an elite quarterback. As we stated earlier, this kid, uh, you know, I don't know about generational like Jim Harbaugh said, but he is certainly going to be playing in the NFL for a long, long time. Yeah, not to bring up bad memories, but the look on his face on the sideline was kind of the same one as, as in the Fiesta Bowl, and he responded well in that game. I mean, I remember Jim Harbaugh last year kind of speaking into existence that he's unflappable and he's the Iceman and, and all that stuff, and, and he really he did play well after throwing two pick sixes in that game. This game, he, he still made a couple good plays afterwards, but I thought those kind of fed on themselves, even throwing it away. Like, I, I know he was trying to throw it away, but – it just didn't feel like quite like him in terms of the the effort of really getting it out of bounds. So um, he knows he needs to be better. That look in his eye in the postgame press conference was similar. And not to invoke Cade McNamara here, but the Rutgers game in 2021 uh, where Michigan didn't get a first down in that game until there were five minutes and 24 seconds to go in the fourth quarter. They didn't get a first down in the second half until that point. And the way Cade was looking and kind of staring off into space and talking after that game, it felt like they had just lost. And for JJ, it was the same thing. Chris Jenkins and Blake Corum were joking and laughing about Jenkins not getting in the end zone. And JJ was kind of sitting to himself like, you know, pretty stoic. Um, I say that all to say that I agree with Jim Harbaugh. JJ knows he needs to be better. He said that. Um, and he has been so much better in his career that I don't have a, a ton of reason to believe that he won't be moving forward and he won't learn from the mistakes that he made. I mean, sometimes you got to make them in the games to, uh, to really learn from it and, and correct it. So, uh, and I know I've said that a couple of times in the non-conference season, it, it applied to other guys and now it applies to the guy that really could do no wrong through two games. So maybe it's a, a nice little experience for him. And Harbaugh said Monday too, you know, the discussion we were having before the game is that, He's thrown seven incompletions total and five touchdowns on the season. So you can blame quickly, Jake. Butt you know, it's for funny that. how quickly the narratives change. Yeah, what Jake Butt gave. You know, it's the old announcer curse, right? Um, yeah. Same thing with Jared Goff's interception streak, but we won't get into that. Um, yeah, I mean, again, if JJ McCarthy goes to Penn State, 
and you know throws four touchdowns and 250 yards or same deal if they, you know when they play Ohio State no one's going to remember or care about the Bowling Green game uh, I think there's a lot of prisoner of the moment type stuff going on both with McCarthy's performance and also with what we saw on Saturday night uh, again I know it's it frustrates some people when you throw out the the reasoning uh, behind it or that the fact that four of the other top five teams really all the entire top five uh uh, USC was idle, but the top four didn't look very good on Saturday. It's just week three was weird, man. And the only thing that really matters now is what comes next. So uh, any other takeaways from, from Harbaugh on Monday afternoon? He seems ready to get back out there and excited like it's the season opener, frankly. And I didn't blame him. So it was interesting listening to him talk about, uh, you know, I'm going to make some changes to make sure I do things better with analysts, making sure they're not coaching. We told them not to do it type of thing. Sometimes guys just get out there and want to do it. So um who knows hopefully you know hopefully this stuff with the ncaa and sooner than later but and hopefully jim harbaugh's back next year there are a lot of people who think he won't be fellas because of the way this has gone down uh it is no secret and we've said this on the message board that jim harbaugh was not happy about this no he was not part of that decision to say hey we should suspend me for three games let's do a school imposed suspension so that uh you know what we'll just get this out of the way and doggone it i've learned my lesson no i i think that he feels um uh, I wouldn't say betrayed, fellas, but I know that he's not happy about it. So, uh, but I do know that he's happy to be coaching this team, and and hopefully he'll come back. These guys take care of business like we know they can, and and become that team that that we know they can. And I think having Jim Harbaugh back will certainly help that. Yeah, I mean, would you would you go to your garage right now, take a baseball bat, and slam it against your kneecap? I mean, right. I, I wouldn't. So that's exactly uh, what he said, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Or the shoulder, or the shoulder, which would also hurt a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, obviously, you know, great points there. And uh, I'll just say, you know, Harbaugh said, Oh, if, if anyone asks me why I'm out of breath or, you know, I look busy or whatever, it's because there's so much to do. Um, yeah, I just feel like he is just full of life right now. So that was basically the, the biggest takeaway and, um, you know, all the different topics he hit on. I mean, he was as enthusiastic as ever. So uh, sometimes he goes into the shell a little bit once the meat of the season comes, but that was not today. He looks, uh, he looks ready to go, but also was willing to, you know, kind of talk about everything that's that's gone on. You know, him watching the game from his laptop. Um, you know, luckily it wasn't Peacock. He didn't have to figure out the Peacock thing. But uh, so, yeah, it'll be uh, good to see him back on the sideline on Saturday. Yeah, he's he's ready to go. I mean, like I said, uh, someone brought him two giant coffee, you know, double shot coffees. Dan Campbell's morning. order. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know. Dan Campbell is cut off from coffee this week. So um, <laughs> no coffee for you. That's, right. that's uh, right. Before we move into our next segment, uh, we're, we're going to put talk uh, a little bit more about these non-conference takeaways, some of the narratives, some of the storylines that have come out of it. Uh, but before we do that, I want to talk about rogueshop.com. Uh, you guys have heard us talk about them dating back to the start of last football season. Uh, check out rogueshop.com. If you have issues sleeping, chronic pain and or anxiety or stress. A lot of that going around this time of year. Uh, seasonal depression is going to kick in here soon for some people. So uh, that's also something to keep watch on. Uh, when you use promo code the Wolverine at rogueshop.com, you're going to get 10% off your order. And Rogue Shop, I mean, we've go, we go through their menu of, of options at their site every single week. They've got CBD, THC, edibles, tinctures, smokables, bath salts, pain creams, topicals, vapes, candles, soaps. They handcraft all of their own stuff. 
they use their own cannabis in their own manufacturing facility. Uh, everything they make is made with their own stuff. Uh, their website has a 24-7 chat function where customers can ask anything that's on their minds and, and uh, has been a great resource uh, to people that we've spoken to that have partaken in Rogue Shop's products uh, at the Wolverine. Uh, all their edibles are custom formulated with cannabis, vitamins, and plant materials. Rogue Shop is America's number one online dispensary and health and wellness shop operating out of Big Ten country in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. They are true small business. Uh, they are disabled veteran owned. So support them. And, uh, you know, by, by extension, support us today as well. Rogueshop.com. That's R O G U E shop.com. Use promo code the Wolverine and get 10% off your order. All right, boys. Three non conference games in the books wins over East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green. Big 10 season is here. And uh, I want to play a little bit of uh, a little game with this. Maybe not a game, just more of a, you know, the roundtable discussion. I have five categories here or five storylines. And there might even be a few that. I should add to this as I stare at it now um, before we get into the segment. But I want to know if some of these takeaways, and these are just kind of bullet point narratives, if they're overreactions or if they're reality and, and where this team is at right now. So without further ado, we will get into it. Uh, bullet point number one is the offensive line won't be as good as the last two years. Obviously, they made a bit of a lineup change late in Saturday's game. Ladarius Henderson, the left tackle, Carson Barnhart, kicks over to the right side. And I think that's kind of what we expected the combo to be. Uh, at least, you know, we're putting the football preview together. We're filling out depth charts ahead of fall camp. But uh, Miles Hinton had three games and just didn't really maybe make the strides that you wanted to see. But, you know, in the here and now, that's the bullet point. That's the takeaway. Uh, what do you think about where the offensive line is and how it stacks up to the last two years? Well, it's one hell of a bar, right? To Joe Moore winning line the last two years, nation's top offensive line, even if they maybe weren't, they were right up there as one of the top lines and certainly the top line in the Big Ten. So I think it's a, yeah, they won't be, but that doesn't mean they can't be very good. And I thought that they found something in there with Henderson, who felt like he looked like he had something to prove out there and did against Bowling Green. And that line I thought looked better with Carson Barnhart on the right side. And maybe that's to be expected when he's playing next to a guy and Zach Zinner that he knows extremely well. And those guys kind of know the ins and outs of each other's movements and everything else. So I think uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Would it surprise you if you saw that lineup to start the game on Saturday? To me, I think it depends on what happens in practice this week, but I think that looked like a pretty good line to me. Now, Carson Barnhart, was a better pass blocker on the left side than Ladarius Henderson, so he's going to have to step up that part of the game. But I think he's capable, and you can always give him a little bit of help over there if you need to. They did that with Ryan Hayes a few times, frankly. Yeah, well, Carson Barnhart didn't do all so well in, in pass protection on Saturday. I mean, so, no, I mean, we'll, we'll see kind of what, yeah, like you said, practice probably determinant for, determinant for those guys. I wouldn't be surprised at all, though, to see Ladarius Henderson in there. They didn't throw much when he was in the game, but his run blocking, I thought, was very, very good um, in a small sample size against a bad team. So, and that's kind of my point with the whole thing. I, I think it's probably an overreaction to say that just based on these first three games, but I didn't come into the year thinking this offensive line was going to be better than at least last year's line. I think last year's line was the best of the three, and we'll see. They have a chance to, to prove me wrong there. Uh, I think it was clearly better than 2021 there. Um, and I think this line can be – second best right up there. And as you said, Chris, I mean, 
we're talking about you know lines that were that were named the best in the country. So if they're right there with those, that can be good. I will remind people too. People were complaining about the offensive line play during non-conference season last year as well. The pass protection was really the issue. Not as much the run blocking. People, you know, Cade McNamara was getting killed back there. There were a couple, uh, you know, Trent a. Jones. Everyone was talking about his arm length, and you know, he's not as big as Stuber was. And I mean, there's always going to be things like this that you forget about by the end of the year because they get worked out. So they're still tinkering a little bit with the lineup, which, you know, you probably would have liked to see that maybe in the first couple of games, but you got to find the right combination, whether it's, it's now or, um, you know, at any point in the season, because you got to be ready to go once those bigger games come. But uh, I'll say it's an overreaction to say that, you know, based on these three games. The, this offensive line, I think really the, the biggest stretch for them is coming up here in this records game. And then you go on the road twice. That's where, you know, your communication on the road has to be on point. Your chemistry on the road has to be on point. So, I mean, if this is the five, they tried out their Saturday, obviously the five that we saw to end the game. Uh, I have no issues with it. Miles Hinton, again, he's a mountain of a guy, six, four or six, six, three forty, I think he is, but uh, the play on the field doesn't match the size and the mass of that guy. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, uh, I think that that five that we had coming into the year, I'd like to see them get another look. I think next couple of weeks are a good chance to get them that chemistry and we'll see where it goes from there. So I'll say overreaction, but, uh, I think the reality of the situation in general might be that, uh, yeah, they might be good, but maybe not as good as the last few years. Um, we kind of talked about this one already, uh, at length in the first segment, but I'll go to it Anyways, overreaction to reality, uh, the J.J. McCarthy interceptions are alarming. Not to me. Uh, and basically everything that we just said in the first segment, right? Uh, everybody's entitled to a bad game. He didn't play well. He had a lot of bad throws. And I think that's just part of it. You know what? It, it happens. Stuff happens once in a while. I can tell you great quarterbacks everywhere. I can, I can go, go back to some of Tom Brady's worst games with the, with the New England Patriots, right? And, and say, hey, uh, you know what? It happens to everybody because it does. So uh, not at all to me. I think it's an overreaction to say his interceptions are alarming. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, couldn't agree more. And, you know, I think sometimes J.J. gets a little bit bored. I, you know, the Big Ten Championship game last year, he was absolutely rolling early on, and then he threw a, a pretty bad pick, you know, and, and it was like, okay, where did that come from? Um, you know, that, that sort of thing could happen, but – Again, we watched so much J.J. McCarthy throughout his career now at Michigan. He has so much experience, um, and we have so much experience watching him that, you know, I, I can't say with a, with a straight face that it's, it's alarming, um, although there are some issues there that need to be cleaned up. But that's, you know, you're going to have those coming out of every game. They're not going to be as big as, as that, but um, definitely an overreaction. But not as much of an overreaction – not as much as an overreaction as this guy over here saying they're going to go eight and four this year, uh, whoever that is, because I'm just reading in the comments here. Uh, that's hilarious. You got a defense here that's going to be fantastic, and they are going to. There's a question mark there, though. No, no. There was somebody before him that said, "This is I'm oh. being a re I'm being a realist." In other words, he's a Sparty or, a, or an OSU fan saying, "I'm just a realist, and this team's no good. This defense is going to keep most." a lot of these teams that they play off the scoreboard for most of the game. So you're going to win a ton of games like that, just like that. So, and the punting game. Uh, yeah. Come on, man. Eight and four. Give me a break. Uh, overreaction to reality. Michigan's going eight and four this season. Right. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to give more. I'm not going to give 
ton of oxygen mm-hmm. to that. I mean, we get we were getting these comments Saturday night too from people that I don't typically recognize on these live streams. So appreciate again, the comments. Uh, if that's if yeah, that's if, again if that's how you feel, that's great. No, if that's how you feel, that's great. Would love to see the evidence for that. Um, I mean, they don't play, they don't play anyone this year, guys. I mean, they play Penn State and they play Ohio State. I mean, unless those if they lose those games and they count for two, sure. But yeah, I don't see that. But um, <laughs> as Clayton is chopping here on the live stream, keep chopping. Uh, anyways, keep chopping. Uh, disrespect, overreaction, overreaction or reality. This could be Jim Harbaugh's best defense since he's been at Michigan. Too early to tell. But I think yes, and I will say it's reality because we haven't seen it at full strength yet. And you know what? The only points they've given up, fellas, for the most part, I think they gave up six in the first half to Bowling Green, and uh, but they didn't have half their you know their, their, half of their best secondary players in the in the game, and and including a guy who can be a lockdown corner and a safety who is li- legit one of the better safeties I've seen at Michigan in the last 20, 30 years in Rod Moore. So um, yeah, I think that's. For real, I think Mike Elston is a guy who doesn't blow, blow smoke, Michigan's defensive line coach, and he said this is the best front seven that I've ever been a part of or, or coached. And I think he was talking more about the, the line, but then he said front seven. And uh, I'm right there with him. Now, guys, um, without giving it all away, um, it could be a little shorthanded on Saturday uh, up front, uh, which would be a bummer. But um, it, still, there's enough depth there that I feel very comfortable that they're going to be okay against Rutgers. It's a good thing that um, that they have some depth, and uh, we'll see what happens. But to me, yeah, I'm, I'm buying on that. I think that's reality, and with that being said, they still have a lot to prove. The word could here is very important. I mean, it's definitely not an overreaction. I, I agree. It's reality, even though I'm not ready to crown them as, as Jim Harbaugh's best defense. 2016 was very good. Um you know, they, they had some other years where then it didn't go so well at the end, so it's kind of hard to give the crown to them. But in part because of Jesse Minter, too. The, the system they're running in this era right now of college football, it's perfect. Um, and then the, the personnel is really good. They brought a lot back from last year. You do have a couple question marks still and, and didn't learn a ton from non-conference play. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it, it definitely could be Jim Harbaugh's best defense uh, by the end of the season. But – you know, what we've learned so far in, in non-conference play, it's too early to to make any sort of judgment. But could is a, a very important word there. Yeah, could is carrying a lot of weight here, for sure. Uh, again, we'll see what happens. I think the pieces are there, especially if you get healthy on the back end. I think, I mean, if everyone stays healthy, I think at least in that front seven, they're probably the most physical and athletic front seven that Jim Harbaugh's had. I think they've got a lot more guys that, that can make those big kind of explosive plays up front and in, you know, at the, at the linebacker position. And obviously we haven't even really seen Will Johnson yet. And he could be a top, you know, 10 NFL draft prospect, regardless of class right now, just given what he brings to the cornerback room. So again, we'll see what happens there again, three, three weeks, a lot of overreactions coming out of the weekend. So we're playing the game. So the next one we go to uh, Chris, you kind of alluded to injuries. I would say overreaction or reality. The injuries on this team right now are a big concern. Think you're on mute. I am on mute. Yep. The uh, not a big concern. The injuries that I was alluding, the newest injury that I'm alluding to, is uh, not going to be a season under or anything like that. Um, but it's something that could could affect them up front. Uh, on the back end, Rod Moore has a knee issue. 
and um, it was much better last week. This is from somebody uh, very close to it. So uh, they are optimistic that that's going to come on. It's not like one of those soft tissue injuries that can linger. Oh, my God, it's a hamstring. And then he keeps pulling it and keeps pulling it like Nakai Hill Green. So everybody says, I hope this isn't like a Nakai Hill Green thing. It's not, no matter what. It's not. Now, could soreness come back? Could it linger? Could he re-injure it? Something like that? Sure. But it's not like that. So they're just being overly protective is what we are hearing. It's not like the Nakai Hill Green thing. Same with Will Johnson. This is, from again, from people close to him, from people in the building, stuff like that. Um, is it possible that he could have a setback or something? Sure. But as of now, it's not a big concern. I'll tell you what, if in two weeks they go to Nebraska without these guys, then it's a huge concern to me um, because then it's like, okay, what don't we know? But, uh, or are they being, are people as everybody being untruthful, you know, and that includes, and I'm telling you everybody, you know, everybody close to it. So it's not like we're guessing here, fellas. You have way too much faith in Jeff Sims. I would say I would be concerned if they have to go to Minnesota with, uh, no, no, wait a minute. Not about the guy. I'm talking about not about the team. I'm talking about if they're not back playing by then, then okay, know, then there's something's up. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I know. I so yeah, Will Johnson, Rod Moore. I mean, you're already really thin at corner. Um, even Josh Wallace, who I think is going to be a starter, regardless of of whether or not Will Johnson's in there, uh, hasn't looked great in the first three games. I thought he's looked you know pretty solid and and you know a guy that's capable there. But you want great players around him as well. So. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think when people say, is it like Nikai Hill-Green, it's probably just the fact that it's, okay, he's close, he's close, he's close, and we just never saw him. Maybe not same injury or whatever. Um, so you, you want to see those guys back as early as possible, even if you don't need them against the Rutgers. I don't think Gavin Wimsett's going to burn him. He did get him on a couple deep routes last year. I don't think Jeff Sims at Nebraska is going to really do much there in, in the past game. But you want to get those guys reps. You want to get them ready to go. You want to get them used to playing at this speed again. Uh, since they haven't since really New Year's Eve. Um, and, and then you're rolling once you need them against some good skill position players against Minnesota or some other teams down the road. So I wouldn't say it's a big concern this week, but it's definitely something that, you know, you're going to keep your eye on because if you're healthy, you get out there and play and uh, and you want these guys to be ready to go for when they need them. Yeah, and you look at how the last two years have gone. I mean, week four, the uh, you got you had the Rutgers scare at home in 2021. Bit of a scare from Maryland last year. Same situation coming into this year, Rutgers in week four. And then it was kind of week five where you make that first road trip where you really kind of start to see what this football team is and what they're going to be. And you would hope that by then, uh, especially that road trip, that you see guys like Will Johnson and Rod Moore out there and some of the other guys that are banged up. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, and again, we – I can. I already know what direction this one's going, but it's on the sheet, and we've got time to fill, so I'll say it. Overreaction or reality, Michigan missed Jim Harbaugh the last three weeks. Absolutely, and we just talked about that again in the uh, before all these questions, and he's one of the best coaches in the country. Clay thinks he's the best coach in the country at any level, and he, and he might be right given his success over the last several years. So, um, you know, teams take on the identity of their head coach, and this is, again, nothing against the guys that filled in for them but you know what when you're going through it and you got a different head coach and I, and I give them credit for that they weren't going to lose any of these games right so everybody got an opportunity here to not everybody but about three guys got an opportunity to be a head coach and I thought it was great so but having that, him there uh the heart and soul of this program is absolutely huge and having him on the sideline will be absolutely huge for them going forward yeah almost everybody had the opportunity yeah 
I mean, uh, yeah, four out of your 10 assistants. And then you also promote Ben Herbert. You bring back your dad. Um, you know, a lot of guys in different places, though, and a lot of guys doing things. Jesse Minter's calling plays on the defense, but he's also being the head coach. Sharon Moore is, is calling plays on offense on Saturday, which could have played uh, part of things, but also being the head coach. Um, the head coach part would have complicated. Obviously, he's going to be calling plays the whole year. But um, so, yeah, they, they definitely miss Jim Harbaugh, even if we don't see it. And it's something you cannot prove. I mean, we cannot sit here and prove what the score would have been or how an individual or a unit or a, the team would have played had he been there. But um, pretty obvious, I, w- I would say, that that they miss Jim Harbaugh. Obvious. No reason to even, again, go more. That That's bad show prep on my part. Uh, I'll throw one more in there, though. Uh, the fact that, uh, you know, first three weeks, Ohio State comes out, doesn't look super great, but steadily improves over three weeks. Penn State, I think, has looked pretty good. And I know you look at the score for the game at Illinois and people will kind of shrug it off. But I still think you go on the road in this conference and win by multiple scores. That's impressive. So I want to talk about this Big Ten East uh, overreaction or reality. Michigan's Big Ten East crown might be in, I won't say serious jeopardy, but you know, maybe it's not a, a, a slam dunk that they're just going to run this thing right back. So overreaction or reality there? It was never a slam dunk, frankly. I had picked them to, to lose at Penn State before the season, and I got uh, a ton of pushback from that. Oh, it's just, you know what, last year, look at last year. You know, last year doesn't matter. Uh, people don't understand that. You know what, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Penn State's got a good football team, and it's a tough place to play. Michigan has struggled against crappier Penn State teams than this one. So... Uh, and Ohio State, you think Ohio State's going to come in here and roll over for Michigan? You're out of your mind. They've got everything to play for. Imagine coming in here and on the, you know what, you're on the precipice of, of losing three straight to your rival and having this thing completely flip when you've owned it for the last decade and a half. So they're going to come in here motivated. That's a good football team. They, they have a lot of good players and they're getting better and they are going to continue to get better. So just like Michigan is, guess what? All these people that are commenting in here, oh, these guys are stupid because they, you know, can't you see what happened against Bowling Green? Jim Harbaugh's teams improved these nuts or whatever your name is over there. So uh, that's just how it goes. So um, your average fan has a great question. We have some great questions, by the way, um, that I can't wait to get to because he made a a, um, comparison that I want to talk about. But um, you know what? So here's the thing. It was always going to be tough. It's never easy when you have to go through Penn State and Ohio State when Penn State is good. So um, I don't think uh, whichever it is, what was it? It's going to be harder. I think, uh, no, I think it's reality, but I think it was always going to be hard. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it was a slam dunk. I picked Michigan to win the Big Ten. But if you look at the actual math of it with two real other contenders, I mean, is that over 50% that I think? I mean, you could make the case, but it's probably – probably under 50% chance. So, no, I don't think it was going to be a slam dunk. I still don't. But nothing I've seen from either Ohio State or Penn State totally changes how I view it either. I still think Michigan will be the team at the end to win the Big Ten again. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's why they play the games. I'm excited for uh, for some bigger games ahead. And let me add this. of all of the In the non-conference of all of the units on either side of the ball that we've seen, the Michigan defense is far and away the best of – any of the offenses or defense that we've seen from anybody else in the Big Ten. It's not, and I don't think there's a close second. We look at Ohio State's offense has been clunky. Penn State's had its ups and downs on offense and defense. Michigan's had its ups and downs on offense, but the Michigan defense is the one constant. And defense travels, fellas. Defense still wins a lot of ball games. So keep that in mind. Ohio State defense been good too. 
Yeah, been, yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Yeah, the Ohio State's defense has been pretty good. And they're going to get their first test on Saturday as well. But I do still think that Michigan's no defense has been the most impressive out of everybody that we've seen. And I do think it's a better unit overall, especially when fully healthy, than Ohio State's. I'm just going to say this, uh, and not again, not to go off, because we have a lot of questions to get to. The queue is full, and keep filling up the queue. We'll get to as many as we can uh, in the next 10 minutes or so. But uh, get <laughs> – the, the stuff going on in the, in the comments section tonight is driving me nuts. And that's probably by design for the people that are filling it up with comments. But if you want your stuff read on the show, I'm not just going to read it when you say, oh, this team's going eight and four because they haven't looked very good. Give me football reasons for that. Uh, so, again, uh, go ahead and fill up the comments. It's great for engagement. Gets everyone arguing with each other. But it's not going to get oxygen on the show after, any, anymore. It, it's just not. So, we're, we're going to have football discussions here. If you have a question to ask, you can get it in the queue just like everyone else. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, some of the – this is frustrations that have boiled over from Saturday night even. Um, and one of, these guys, one of these guys is not a Michigan fan, let's be honest. It's, it's kind of, some of them is just plain silliness. So, anyway. Well, let's get to Michigan fans because they've been let's waiting for their questions to be answered. And we'll go to our friend Shane Johnson, $1.99 Super Chat. Uh, so, we move him to the front of the line. He says, CB – What's the real story and status with Rod Moore concerning? Yeah, and we talked about that a little bit earlier. It is a knee, and um, but they don't think it's anything serious. Now, has it lingered longer than they thought it would? And are, is there some frustration about that, uh, given the, about the diagnosis? I think yes. So, But is this something that's going to keep them out the entire year or something they're going to come back in two weeks and say, oh, we need to scope it or we need to do this, we need to do that? No. So um, I think you will see him uh, potentially back this week. Um, and if not, then the following week. And like I said, if it comes after, if we get to Nebraska and uh, he's not in that game, then, yeah, I'm going to say, okay, uh, something's up here. And maybe everybody was too optimistic. I don't think anybody's lying to us, fellas. Let's just put it that way. And I don't think uh, it's anything like that. I just, but we do know for a fact, 100%, that he was feeling much, much better last Saturday, even though he didn't play. I have nothing to add to that. So we'll move on to the next question here. Uh, another super chat from our, our, our guy, Brian Legere. I hope that's how you pronounce it. Brian, you can correct us. He, for $2, asks, what do you, who do you think will start at tackle? And I assume that means Saturday, but that could also mean moving forward as well. Yeah, Brian, I think uh, I, I'm expecting, honestly, um, and I wanted to get to your average fan's comment. He said, you know, it looks like they went with Miles Hinton thinking about his upside, and he kind of compared it to Joe Milton, where you see all the tools and you're just waiting for somebody to put it together and dominate because he's got the tools to do that. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. Miles Hinton has not dominated the way he should have. But I think we would all agree with that, fellas, if we're, if we're being honest. And listening to Drake Nugent in the preseason talking about how at Stanford you would watch Miles Hinton take somebody and drive him 10 yards and think he needs to do that every play because he's capable of doing that. And then seeing him not do that on a few plays and then doing that on some other plays is frustrating. So um, I think – you're going to see Henderson and Barnhart on start the start the game on Saturday, but I do think again part of that depends on what we see in practice this week. But Jim Harbaugh was really talking up Ladarius Henderson, Brian, in the and he generally does that um, when you know a guy's going to play. So uh, it wouldn't stun me at all to see that. Yeah, I mean, I, if I had to bet on it right now, and again, like they have, they maybe taken the practice field once, maybe just the guys that didn't play much on Saturday, like. 
it'll probably get worked out in the next couple of days. But if I had to bet on it right now, I'd probably say Ladarius Henderson on the left and Carson Barnhart on the right. And maybe we see, you know, if someone's not playing, you know, up to where they need to, then you see another guy come in. A little bit surprised Trente Jones hasn't gotten more of a look at right tackle, uh, but he's doing a good job as the extra lineman. But I'd say that, um, even though, you know, practice will probably be that that final, you know, tiebreaker type of thing. All right, we'll go to another one for Brian, who is who's just throwing all kinds of money at us tonight. Another super chat. Alex Orgy needs to be a running back. I will die on that hill. Uh, fellas, we've talked about this a lot, too. I don't know if he's a quarterback, but man, when you watch him run out there, he runs, he's big and he runs hard. All these $2 super chats. I feel like I'm back at Chippendales uh, back in the, when I was in my twenties. So orgy needs to be a running back. I will say this. He needs to be um, on the field in some capacity. And I think they're trying. I really do. I I like him. You know what people we've talked about it. Jabril peppers might've been uh, a better running back than he was. And he was so good. In the secondary, you know, he, but he could have played both ways a little bit more. Uh, and maybe, you know, these days he would have. But um, I hear you, buddy. And I do know for a fact that they were running some things with him, some different looks, uh, other than just the Wildcat where he's going to, they're going to snap it. And we know everybody in the stadium knows where he's going to go with the ball and everybody at TV as well, on TV as well. So, um, I don't think it's going to be his kick returner. You know, Jim Harbaugh said maybe he could be the best of all time. A little hyperbole there. Maybe. But, uh, Maybe, but I do think that you could see him on the field in other capacities uh, other than just being a Wildcat quarterback. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think he could be a decent running back. He's a little bit tall, um, but if he moves the running back this year, what is he, third on the depth chart at best still? Fourth. Fourth. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, maybe he competes with Kalel Mullings or whatever right now for – the third job, but it's not like it would get him on the field immediately. Um, he's still intriguing to me as a quarterback. I know he has to improve as a passer, but there's just something about him. I love the way he runs, but and if he could throw, you know, and be adequate throwing the football, he really interests me, you know, if you had to go with some sort of option down the road or, or as a backup, but go back and watch his 10 yard run too. Ladarius Henderson, fantastic blocking on, on that play as well. Um, and I, I do like watching Alex Orgy run. So maybe, you know, maybe we could see that down the road. Would love to see it. I mean, he, again, we we've sung his praises a ton of times as a guy that might be one of their best, you know, 10, 15 athletes on the team. But I, I just don't know if it's a quarterback. I mean, it's clearly not, or else we wouldn't be talking about backup quarterback still heading into the uh, the fourth week of the season, which, uh, I mean, I'll just put a flag in the Jack Tuttle camp right now. I assume he's going to be that guy for now if he stays healthy. You had healthy, seen enough, and that, that one snap was enough. Well, I mean, Take by virtue of – I don't know. Guys. No, I agree I mean, with you. I agree save, with you. Save him, save him for Ohio State. No, I'm with you though. Here, you're right. Tell I guy. agree. Yeah, I'm we didn't. We didn't really exactly get closure on that whole situation Saturday night because we were too busy, you know, being. You know, I say we as the fan. You know, talking about the Michigan fans as opposed to the three of us, uh, red in the face about the interceptions and, uh, you know, watching Bowling Green at 11 o'clock at night on a Saturday. Uh, let's go to. Uh, I had a couple here that I lost. Uh, I like this one from Brian Block, who says, is there any concern about the number of plays they're running? BG might be an outlier, but if they want to wear down defenses, they need to run more plays. And I would agree with that. Uh, We charted it, I think, last week, and they had actually run the exact same amount of plays uh, through two games this year that they did through two games last year. Uh, That gets thrown out of whack Saturday when I think they only had 47 snaps, but when you give the ball to the other team the way that they did, 
that's gonna that's gonna drive that number down a little bit. So I mean, in order to run up those plays, you have to have the possessions to do it. When you're giving the ball away in these possessions, that kind of cuts into that. So I don't know that I'm concerned with it, but it also does. You know, we talked so much last season about this offense, quote unquote, leaving meat on the bone. The way that this clock moves now, there's not really a whole lot of room to leave that meat on the bone because you're not going to get the ball back as quickly as you did last year. The margin for error goes down when you play Michigan style. And, you know, you know, I asked Sharon more about this in the post game. He said, yeah, you got to adjust your strategy a little bit, but we're going to do what we do. But you know what? You can't if you fumble a couple t- or throw a couple picks, then guess what? You're in a ball game in the third and fourth quarter because. Uh, especially if the defense was giving up some plays, and they did. In the first half of that game, they gave up some plays that we didn't expect to Bowling Green. Camden North uh, impressed me, frankly, with some of his throws. I thought he did a pretty good job there. He did better than Connor Basilak would have, frankly, in my opinion. So, uh, And they were on the field a little bit longer than we expected them to be. But if you have that that number of turnovers, then, yeah, you're only going to have 47 plays or 44. I think it was 44 snaps. Uh, and then you could be in a ball game when you, don't, when you didn't expect to be. So... Um, I don't like it. I hate the rule. I hope they revisit this next year and say, you know what, it sucks. Uh, more more football is better. And, of course, they always hide it under the guise of we're, we're thinking about the kids, right? We're thinking about not getting them hurt. But that's a bunch of BS. Then just don't play if you don't want exactly. to Exactly. You know what? It's not about that. It's about TV money and commercials and everything else. Who are you, who are you kidding? So, um, But, yeah, it's a great question. Um, I don't like it. But as Anthony said, um, the first couple of games, and again, part of that too was because defense was getting teams off the, the field so quickly. But would it surprise you at all if other teams tried to run the ball a little bit more on Michigan and dinked and dunked and took some time off the clock so they could be in a second half game and and be hopeful? Would surprise me at all? Yeah, no, I mean, I I agree, and it definitely you make those mistakes, and you know they're they're maybe a little bit worse because of this. Forty four plays in this game by Michigan. It's the least amount they've run since a 2011 game against Western Michigan that ended after three quarters due to weather. Um, and they ran 39 in that game against Western Michigan, which is actually pretty low anyway. But uh, it's the lowest amount in a full-length game that I've found this century. Um, so a little bit of an outlier there. I don't think we're going to see them only run 44 plays. I think they went over 10 minutes without having the football there in the first quarter due to, you know, two straight turnovers. Um, and then you end up throwing a third straight five plays into your next drive. So uh, a little bit of an anomaly, but it's it's a good point and something that that I'm going to be monitoring throughout the season, how, th- how this goes. And I say if teams want to try and run the ball in Michigan, I say good luck because yeah. that is not where the deficiency of that defense is mm-hmm. uh, in the here and now. So, hey, if they want to try and do that, that's fine. Michigan will keep sending teams off the field after three plays and you give that offense more possession. So if that's what it's going to be, I say, let them do it. Uh, Time for a couple quick ones here. Uh, One from another one for Brian block. Brian is uh, defending the block tonight. Uh, Has there been any development with Amorian Walker and doesn't really seem like it. He didn't, he hasn't dressed at all the the last few weeks. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you talk about, there was another question there about, do you think Josh Wallace will stay the number two cornerback? I think he kind of will by default because the yeah. guys that were earmarked to compete for it, Maureen Walker hasn't been out there. Jaden McBurrows was out this weekend. So, yes, really. Yeah, it's a foot injury for uh, Maureen, I believe. So, uh, And it's taking a while to heal. And he's missed significant practice time, which he could not afford. Let's be honest. I mean, he really, to, to 
stay on that trajectory that everybody was hoping that he would be on. He needed that practice time. Hasn't gotten it. So right now it's Josh Wallace, and I think he'll be fine. Um, I do. He's, he's had some good games. He's had a couple bad moments. But you know what? Every cornerback is going to get burned at some point, even by um, – you know, maybe it's a concentration thing. I guess we'll find out more here. Uh, probably not this week. I don't think Rutgers has the best passing game. But, uh, you know, God, think about it. I'm, I'm trying to think down the road here as to who's really going to challenge these Michigan cornerbacks with their passing game. It's going to be a while. Yeah, Minnesota's receivers I like, but I don't know about the quarterback. Um, yeah. But yeah, that Odu Hilaire, though, is is a pretty good receiver. He should have caught that ball in the end zone. Josh Wallace is lucky he didn't. But, yeah, we did see Amorian Walker – jogging out of the tunnel and onto the field at halftime. I was watching him in a sweatsuit uh, jog, so he looked he looked okay there, so maybe getting closer. And I think Clink said uh, a couple weeks ago that it's it's not supposed to be season-ending. But, yeah, I mean, this practice time would be really valuable for him. So maybe more of a, a next-year type of thing on, on a Morion Walker, but who knows? All I can really say to add that is that he was wearing the same type of clothes I was on Saturday, and that's not good news really on either end of the spectrum. But uh, Ballas, we'll end, we'll end with one for you. Okay. Uh, this is from Ray Pritchett, who says, why does Angelique always get the last question at the press conference? Because she always waits till the end to, to raise her hand. That's why. And um, she's usually asking in two or three parts, Ray. <laughs> so, and uh, I think she understands that she can get uh, – she's not holding anybody else up by doing that. But uh, – yeah, it's always fun, and she always has a good question. I'll give her that. No She's doubt. the best. We love Angelique. Shout out to her. Uh, and also, uh, Neil Wiggins says, any comments on Juwan and Michigan basketball? Not a whole lot to report on the court, but uh, get well soon, Juwan Howard. Uh, Amen. Yeah. Emergency, I don't know if it was emergency surgery, but certainly a serious heart surgery last week, uh, sideline for 6 to 12 weeks. We obviously hope for nothing but the best for him. Yeah, uh, Godspeed. And um, I do think this team could exceed expectations, fellas. Jalen Llewellyn comes back as another ball handler. And, yes, I understand that he's not, you know, the answer. You know, he's not Mike Smith or whatever. Um, then I think that they can be okay. And I, I think Doug McDaniel is going to take a huge leap. Uh, Terrace Reed had an unbelievable summer. So I think you're going to see him take a leap. I think they're going to be better defensively. I don't think there's any question about that. It was embarrassingly bad at times last year. You got rid of a, um, you got, they'll have better chemistry. Say it. I'm just going to say it. They got, say it. No, they're, they're, I'm going to say they have, they'll have better chemistry and guys who, who uh, are more invested is how I'm going to put it. Um, and I think that's going to help. And uh, the best player on this team guys might be Olivier Kamwa. We'll have more on that in inside the fort on Friday. So, Guys, if you haven't signed up, take advantage of our dollar deal for the first month and uh, sign up. We're going to have a good inside the fort here and some intel on basketball on Friday. Yeah, I don't know that there's anyone else in the running to be the the best player on the team with Olivier Kamwa, for sure. Well, (laughs) I think Doug could be. I think that Terrace Reed could be with some great experience. We've seen a lot of guys take that freshman to sophomore leap, fellas, over the years. You know what? Um, Look at Nick Stauskas, man, what he was as a freshman and uh, and what he became as a sophomore, you know. So I think you're going to see some guys make some leaps, and I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of – I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be better than we expect it to be. Kobe Buff, great. Big leap. Kobe Buff, no, huge leap. Yeah, he had yeah. the biggest leap points per game year over year, freshman to sophomore year uh, in a really long time. I can't remember the exact time frame. But, no, prayers with Jawan Howard, uh, Janine – Howard, his wife, shared an update yesterday. 
getting stronger every day, surpassing all of his benchmarks with flying colors. Hope to be out of the ICU today. That was yesterday. Ahead of schedule. Truly grateful grateful for the excellent care and the gift of life. Love y'all. Go blue. So fantastic news and cannot cannot wait to see him back on the court for sure. Marcus Ellis, by the way, made a good point about um, T.J. Waller getting some good time along with Jair Hill, and those guys are going to continue to progress. T.J. Waller might be the surprise of this uh, recruiting class. They love him. His size and what he's showing at corner, uh, great great uh, observation there, Marcus. Are we going to get to my comment too? Clayton Safey, eight and four. That's not you. You're out. It is. I'm just trying. You smart ass. All right. <laughs> Lock this plate. Uh, yep. That's too good. Well, yep. all right, guys. Uh, it's a good place to call it for tonight. Uh, thank you for your time. Chris already uh, shouted out the dollar deal over at thewolverine.com. So definitely get on that. Uh, $1 for your first month of access. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Like this video. Leave a positive review wherever you get your podcast. If you're leaving to the, listening to the audio version. Uh, I'm Anthony Broom for Chris Ballas and Clayton Safey. Have a wonderful week, and we will talk to you guys again Thursday as we preview the Rutgers game. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if you're first bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.